to Fantasy Football Today, DFS, and welcome to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, what I believe to be the best football weekend of the year. Frank Sample joined, as always, by Mike McClure and Sia Najad to deep dive all four of the games this weekend. What's up, Sia? How are we feeling about this upcoming weekend? This is interesting. I, I think there's a couple of games that I, I, I'm assuming we're going to have various opinions on in terms of, you know, possibility to explode and score a ton of points. So I'm really eager to get into this because there's, I, I would say of these four games, there's really two that I have my eye on in terms of uh, big time fantasy output and maybe some concentrated targets. And I'm curious if you guys agree. All right, we're going to find out in just a little bit. It's interesting because we have four games and the totals are all relatively close outside of the Bills and Kansas City game, which is like by far the highest, which it should be. How's it going, Mike? What is your confidence level in those Kansas City Chiefs right now? The line kind of bouncing around a little bit, seeing some one and a half, some two and a half. How are you feeling about your Chiefs? Uh, honestly, I feel pretty good about them. And I will talk about it in depth here when we talk about quarterbacks and in particular, Josh Allen. Uh, but I feel good about it. And you know what else I feel good about? I think we have the eight best teams as the final teams here. I think we have the eight best teams. You go every, well, not everyone, but a lot of people know I run a predictive model. I run simulations. These are the top eight teams. The only one that is close to not being the eighth team would have been the Cincinnati Bengals. There's three or four teams that are very, very close to them at that spot. But other than that, Kansas City, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, Rams, 49ers, and the Titans, those are the top seven teams in the model in terms of the simulations. And it's really fun and exciting that that's what we have here to close out the year. Mike, I'm just curious. What are the three teams that are like really close to three to four teams that are really close to Cincinnati? Arizona, which is in the other conference, obviously. Mm -hmm. The Indianapolis Colts and the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Two of the teams. Were eliminated. One of them should have been a lock for the playoffs and was eliminated <laughs> by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, they eliminated themselves, but yes. Yes, those those pesky Jaguars. <laughs> the Colts <laughs> just cannot go into Jacksonville and get it done. And and that's why I consider it to be the best football weekend of the year because it spans two days. And, and more often than not, I feel like we get the eight best teams in football. So happy that you're there to confirm that for us, Mike. And before we actually get into the games, I wanted to ask you specifically about a DFS slate that spans two days, Mike, because we haven't really talked about this all season, and I think it opens up possibilities. We spoke about it a little bit last week in terms of a a slate that starts at 1 and has a game that you know goes all the way through 11.30 p.m. Eastern time, but now we've got two different days, so people have time to look at their lineups, what they've done right, what they did wrong from Saturday to Sunday, and obviously they can make adjustments. So how do you handle a slate that spans two days long? Yeah, you've got to make some interesting decisions. You have to uh, you have to take some stands because not only is it multiple days, we're talking multiple sets of inactives released, and we're talking players that are questionable on pretty much every team. Uh, certainly, players questionable at pretty important skill positions as far as DFS goes. So, yeah, you're going to be able to make some interesting stands. It presents opportunities in terms of late swap. Uh, but definitely going to want to be paying attention to the news because uh, it's certainly not, at least in my opinion, not going to be a set it and forget it kind of slate when you're setting everything on Saturday morning. Sia, do you have a strong opinion feeling when it comes to a DFS slate that lasts two days? I mean, I guess you're kind of used to this for golf. It's probably completely different. But what do you think about it for football? Well, yeah, it's completely different. I, I, I have to echo what Mike was saying. I think late swap is really, really important here. Uh, you know, you might have gotten burned by late swap last week because you might have had you know Jarek McKinnon and Byron Pringle in like 
I did. And you swapped them out to get Daryl Williams. And then you couldn't afford Byron Pringle. And here we are. So, so, but the, the, the key there is usually the news on that front is pretty accurate. Let me take you back to week 18 when the Dallas Cowboys were playing the Philadelphia Eagles. And the conventional wisdom was that Dallas wasn't going to play their starters much. And that was sort of the last game. I think that was the night game of that slate. Well, if you caught that news late, and if you happen to load up on that game for the sole purpose of being able to late swap, well, boom, look at that. Right before game time, it was kind of revealed that Dak was going to be playing a lot. You could have just swapped out some people, put in Dak, put in Cedric Wilson, put in Amari Cooper, Dalton Schultz, and you could have won really big money. So a lot of that is here this week. It's a different situation, but with the running game in particular with Kansas City and with maybe news that comes out, maybe possibly about the receiving core for Kansas City and some other components, maybe even of the Bills, uh, that could be really important. So I know at least for some of my my tournament stacks, I'm going to be sort of loaded up on that game or at least on day two, just so I have the ability to late swap. Yeah, and I think specifically when it comes to late swap, we will have a pretty big news item for the early game on Sunday between the Rams and the Bucks, unless it comes out sooner than that about regarding Leonard Fournette. We just don't know. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, which admittedly is pretty tough to do because I'm sure, you know, more news is going to come out and more practice reports are going to come out as the week goes. But if we don't have an update by Friday, then we're looking at a true game time decision. And then obviously, you know, that affects whether we're going to play Gio Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn. So keep those things in mind as well. Let's start with the first game on Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. That is the Bengals at the Titans. The Titans are laying three and a half points with a 47 point total. All odds come via the Caesars Sportsbook. And we've got Great weather as of now projected for the entire weekend. Every game that I've looked at so far, no weather concerns. 39 degrees in this game, no wind or precipitation. On the Bengals side of things, their defensive tackle, Larry Ogunjobi, was placed on the IR Monday. Defensive end Trey Hendrickson is in the concussion protocol. He got in a limited practice on Wednesday. For the Titans, Derrick Henry's foot responded well to contact on Tuesday, and he will continue to practice throughout the rest of this week. And the Titans are likely to make a decision on on him by Friday. So let's start right there with the big dog, Derek Henry. See, we'll start with you. How are we approaching Henry in the spot? He is 7,500 over on DraftKings. And when he was healthy earlier this season, it was the Derek Henry we know and love. 71% of the snaps, averaging 29.6 touches per game, four and a half red zone opportunities per game. If he's in, are you looking to play him? Yeah, this is one of those situations where, and unfortunately at the running back, position over the last couple of weeks there have been a lot of situations where you just don't know where to go and unfortunately the information doesn't really get revealed and to the extent it does sometimes that information is wrong so this is one of those situations unfortunately we have to monitor we do know that the Bengals have some issues on the defensive line so if Henry gets a full complement of snaps or I should say maybe even 75 percent of what is considered a full complement he could absolutely smash in this spot. And even if he, you know, even if he only gets 50%, what if he gets all the red zone carries against a bang, again, a banged up defensive line, uh, he could still get you two touchdowns and 60 yards and really kind of come through for you. So I don't know that I love him right now. Like the builds that I'm considering, they actually don't have Derrick Henry right now. If I start to see a little bit more video, a little bit more footage of, of him really in full pads, taking contact, you know, doing the, you know, the seven on seven drills, if not more than that, then I'm going to be a little bit more interested in in him. But right now, 
He's not in my build at 7,500. Just like Mike, I'm really trying to pay up at the wide receiver and quarterback position this particular week. Yeah, it's so tough, too, because we have Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes going up against each other in that game with a huge total. And then we have great wide receivers on the slate, the two best wide receivers in football, Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams. So if you want to spend up for the quarterbacks, for the wide receivers, it gets tough to spend up for Derrick Henry as well. Uh, Mike, how are you feeling about Derrick Henry? What if he's out? We have Deontay Foreman at 5,200, Dontrell Hilliard at 4,300. Uh, your thoughts overall on the Titans running game? Yeah, I mean, if he's out, uh, I think you can start to consider him. Uh, the issue is, is it's, you know, you look at the slate, it's four games, and the number of running back options that we have in this slate feels like some of the 10 to 13 game slates that we talked about this season, right? There are just a number of running backs because some of them are so banked up and the price points are just so low. Like even Cam Akers, I know we're not talking about that game yet, but he's so low on the price point. Leonard Fournette, we don't have his status yet. Uh, as we get some more news, that'll certainly sway me one way or the other. But I do, if Henry is out, Foreman, I think, is fine. I mean, just because of the volume. I mean, you're, you're, I bet he touches the football 20 times again if Derrick Henry is not able to play. Um, so that's really, we're going to, fortunately, on this game, we'll know because it is the first game. We'll know in time to make a decision. Um, now, having said all that, I fully expect Derrick Henry to be active. Um, just from everything I've seen, I don't think there's any scenario that he is not active for the game. Now, like Sia kind of alluded to, I think that he could be not quite the 80% workload. It could be closer to 60-40 because Foreman has had some success and they might want to ease him in and maybe only use him in some of those goal line situations. Um, I, I could see scenarios like that. I think the question you have to ask yourself, though, is do you want to bet on possibly a banged up Derrick Henry? Or would you like to save some money and still be a little contrarian and play Joe Mixon in that same game, right? You know, Because you know Mixon is also someone who's going to touch the ball 20 times, potentially catch five to seven passes if they're trailing at all in this game. Um, so I think you have a lot of interesting decisions. So as much as Derrick Henry, when you see the $7,500 price tag, you're like, give me all of that. Not quite so much uh, in this particular slate for me. The last thing I'll point out is it actually is a very good matchup for whoever the Titans starting running back is in this spot. The Bengals are allowing just over six yards per carry to running backs over their last three games and again are dealing with injuries to the defensive line. See, how about the Titans passing attack? I don't think this is going to be a popular spot to attack here this weekend, but Ryan Tannehill is 5,800. He's the seventh highest priced quarterback. He's coming off his best fantasy game of the year, actually, in week 18. He threw four touchdowns against the Houston Texans, and all of their pass catchers are affordable. So if you wanted to stack them or even just play one-offs here, it's, it's very easily attainable. A.J. Brown is just 6,200. Julio Jones down at 4,600, and then you have their two tight ends who are 3,100 or less. How do you feel about the Titans passing attack? It's hard not to like A.J. Brown here at 6,200. I mean, going into this slate, if, I, if, I, if you hadn't seen the pricing and I said, okay, A.J. Brown's playing the Bengals, 47-point total, uh, 25 and change implied total for the Titans, what do you think A.J. Brown's price is? Against you know, a Cincinnati Bengals secondary, that's you know decent, not great, you know, not super poor. I, I'm I'm assuming the answer would be, I don't know, 7,300, something like that, 7,400, 7,100. So this is definitely a bargain. I'm, I'm very much interested in A.J. Brown. Unfortunately, there's only so many receivers to go around, and there are going to be a lot of people, receivers particularly, that are more popular than A.J. Brown. So I'm definitely going to have him in some builds. And, you know, I, the, 
There's a lot of receivers I like that we'll talk about, including Jamar Chase in this game, Stefan Diggs. Obviously, Debo is going to be popular, Cooper Cup. So you want to try to leverage some of that perceived ownership and maybe play A.J. Brown here and there. So I'm definitely interested in him. I definitely think from a game plan standpoint, especially if Derrick Henry plays, Cincinnati is just going to be like their game plan is going to be to stop the run and put the game in Ryan Tannehill's hands. If that's the case, you could see A.J. Brown getting peppered with all kinds of targets. With that said, I'm not interested in anybody else in the receiver core, including the tight ends. Uh, It's A.J. Brown or nothing. All right. Yeah. And I know this won't be a popular uh, take, but I, I think there's a chance that this game can turn into a shootout, right? If if the Bengals sell out to stop the run, as you just mentioned, Sia, then we could see some passing on the Titan side of things. And then if it opens up, then obviously, you know, this is a really good matchup for the Bengals wide receivers too. So uh, let, let's go over to that side of it. And uh, we'll talk about the best way to potentially stack the Cincinnati Bengals. The Titans have allowed the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers this season. They allowed the 12th most over the final four weeks of the season. So they got a little bit better over the final month, but still allowing a good amount of production Joe Burrow is 6,600, the fifth highest priced quarterback on the slate. And then we have Jamar Chase at 7,100. T. Higgins down at 5,700, getting a nice little discount there. Tyler Boyd at 4,700. He has a touchdown in four straight games. And then CJ Uzama, who we talk about every single week here. He's only 3,400. He's got a 17% target share now since week 13. Mike, what's your favorite way to potentially stack the Bengals passing attack? Yeah, the Bengals passing attack is is interesting. So what I'm most fascinated here is with Jamar Chase. Um, they put the ball in his hands, not quite to Debo Samuel level, but he ran the ball three times in that game, something we really hadn't seen before. And you, you see this a lot with teams when things get really competitive. They put the ball in their best players' hands as much as they possibly can. So I'm going to be very interested to see if they continue to force things his way. Uh, but what I want to caution on, on this just more of a generic slate comment, we, we talk about like we look at Chase's price, we look at A.J. Brown's price, and it looks like when you look at one individual player, it looks like like, man, I'm getting a massive bargain on this player. Everyone's price is depressed on this slate because there are so many good players. Like you go look at the top Cooper cups. I should say only is only 8,600. We're used to him being routinely above 9,000. Now Tyree kill stuff on digs in the mid 6,000s. It's just, everyone is suppressed because there's a lack of value plays. So they've dropped the pricing. So I just want to caution on like mm-hmm. seeing someone at that price and thinking, man, they're just drastically underpriced when they're drastically underpriced where they've been, but they're really not relative to the field. So keep that in mind. But as far as the passing game, I think I'll, I'll focus on Jamar Chase. But really, if I'm if I'm betting on that and I wanted to stack Joe Burrow, I'm going to play Joe Mixon with him just because I, I think it's different enough. And you're still in the scenarios where you're betting on Joe Burrow in the passing game, you're betting on the team to simply score 30 points, essentially. And a lot of that's going to come through the work of Joe Mixon. And then I, I just don't think anyone's going to play him because it's so close to where Derrick Henry is. Um, there's a ton of value running backs on the slate. So for me, it's Chase, it's Mixon, and then probably CJ Uzama. Uh, I think I'm going to be out on the T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd situation personally, um, just thinking that they're going to force targets to Jamar Chase. All right, see ya. Let's wrap up with your thoughts on the Cincinnati Bengals side of things. Obviously, we have a ton of pass catchers here. I think if you are looking for a cheap tight end on the slate, that is CJ Uzama. He's, again, only 3,400, so uh, someone that's been routinely involved in the Bengals offense. And then uh, Mike mentioned Joe Mixon. He likes Joe Mixon. He's 6,600 on this slate. 
and he had nine, nine red zone opportunities last week in that wild card game. That is just an absurd amount. So see, how are you feeling about the Bengals offense overall in this spot? Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to attack the Titans defense through the air. So I totally get the argument on Mixon, and I think he'll be slightly contrarian on this particular slate. I could be wrong about that. So so I get the Mixon argument, but for me, I'm jamming in Jamar Chase, whether I'm stacking him with Burrow or not. I, I just, I love the fact that to, to Mike's point, it's playoff time. Like, you know, T. Higgins is a great receiver, but he's not Jamar Chase. That nine of 12 targets last week, he, he ran three times. 38% target share last week. The week before that, week 18, it was, or I guess it might have been 17, 32%. Um, the air yards, over 50%, both of those games. So they're clearly just going to be focused on Jamar Chase. Of course, it could flip to T. Higgins, but I don't really see that happening. So I'm very much interested in jamming in Jamar Chase. And that's going to be probably the main piece I pull from this game. As far as C.J. Uzama, I'll be playing him a little bit too. Six for six last week in terms of targets and receptions. He's just one of those guys that's just going underappreciated, underpriced, underowned. I'll sign up for that all day. All right. And when it comes to Jamar Chase, you mentioned the targets recently. See, if we exclude week 18, he has double digit targets in three straight games. So earlier in the year, they were taking a ton of shots with him deep down the field. As we're getting into the postseason, games matter more and more. He's seeing volume, just a lot of just straight up raw volume there for Jamar Chase in a really good matchup. So, uh, yeah. And, and- yeah, and one other thing, you, you mentioned a really good matchup, but you also mentioned that the Tennessee Titans secondary defense has like stepped it up a bit lately. But let me just give you their last five or six opponents. They played the Texans, the Dolphins, San Francisco 49ers, Pittsburgh Steelers, Jacksonville Jaguars. So like to the extent they've had any improvement, it's literally against like three or four of the worst offenses in the league. So just kind of keep that in mind. This is a defense that's ripe for the picking, especially through the air. All right, so yeah, I mean, like, we got to give our guy Davis Mills a little credit, though. So, okay, we can't. I just- like Davis Mills. You're right. That wasn't, yeah, that kind of was one of the guys I was talking about, but yeah. like, Mills is great. Mills is fine. Don's sneaky pick for this game, same way that we did it last week. We'll give you, uh, he has a sneaky pick per game in the divisional round. So he likes Tyler Boyd at 4,800, someone who has scored a touchdown in four straight games. He's been pretty consistent. Doesn't have a massive ceiling or anything, uh, but yeah, Tyler Boyd, pretty cheap there. Sub 5K wide receiver. Let's move over to the NFC game with the 49ers at the Packers. This game will be at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time Saturday night, and the Packers are six-point favorites with a 47-point total. These two teams met back in week three. The Packers won that game 30-28, to so very high-scoring affair the first time around. Weather in this spot, 18 degrees in Lambeau, 10-mile-per-hour winds, not expecting any precipitation. So colder, a little bit more wind, not really anything that we're worried about, so uh, keep that in mind for this game. For the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo dealing with a shoulder injury in addition to the thumb that he's been playing through. Nick Bosa did not practice on Tuesday, and there were eight players limited in practice, including Jimmy G, Elijah Mitchell, and linebacker Fred Warner. For the Packers, left tackle David Bakhtiari, cornerback Jair Alexander, and wide receiver Randall Cobb were all practicing on Wednesday. Marquez Valdez-Scantling did not practice uh, on Wednesday. We'll start with Aaron Rodgers. He is 7,100, the third highest priced quarterback on the slate. And Mike, we'll start off with you. What do you think about potentially stacking Aaron Rodgers with his running mate, Devontae Adams? 8,500. He is $100 less than Cooper Cup. And Adams had a massive game in their first meeting 12 catches, 132 yards, a touchdown on 18 targets. 
So I like it. I think that it'll still be relatively contrarian just because of where the price points are. It's so much more affordable to go stack Mahomes and some of the other players. Um, so I, I think it's going to get a little bit overlooked, a little bit disrespected, but I, I'm still very concerned um, about this 49ers team. I think they're walking into a very difficult spot. Watching Jimmy G towards the end of that game after he took the hit near halftime. Uh, if there's one place I don't want to go after I have the shoulder injury and the thumb injury and have trouble gripping the football, it's playing in the cold outdoors at Lambeau. And I know we only mentioned 18 degrees. That's at kickoff. In the second half of the game, it's going to be 10 to 12 degrees with the wind chills, making it negative 5 to negative 10. Um, just not a great situation. Uh, it's one of those teams that I look, I, I liked them a lot against Dallas in, in a very controlled environment, but I think that they, they've kind of hit their upper limit in my opinion at this spot. And I don't think that this team is really built to come back and play from behind. So what I'm worried about with Devonte and Aaron Rodgers is if early work in this game somehow lands in the end zone with Aaron Jones or so on the running game or really anyone else but him. I'm really concerned about the game script late in the game and really needing to go to Devontae to have that big kind of game. So because of the price point and those factors, uh, I, I think it's one of those situations where their defense is going to maybe create some shorter fields. It might be more about the running game ball control a little bit. So I'm going to shy away. Having said that, I could end up on them after we see some of the ownership reports uh, to game day because I really do think this combo is going to be the one that's kind of the odd man out uh, as far as getting into a lot of lineups just because of the price points we've mentioned on a number of really good wide receivers. I'm with you, Mike. I'm a little worried about the San Francisco 49ers in this spot. Jimmy G dealing with multiple injuries at this point, going into the cold, and I think that there's a chance that they fall behind early in this game, and you really don't want Jimmy G having to sling the ball around. They want to run. They want to run the football, but you know, if they fall behind, are they going to have the luxury of doing that? Actually, I listened to the mega preview you did over at the early edge with RJ White, and RJ just presented all of these trends that are favoring Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers in the spot, so I encourage everyone to go check it out, but yeah, I'm a little worried about the 49ers as well. See, how are you feeling about the Packers offense? We have Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard potentially as a value play. He is only 4,400 and he's been scoring touchdowns pretty frequently. Uh, and then we have the running game. Aaron Jones is 6,800. AJ Dillon down at 5,100. The, the price discrepancy there between those two uh, seems a little bit out of whack. A little bit, but I think, again, focusing on the whole playoff time narrative, you know, as good as A.J. Dillon is, especially in the cold, uh, in short yardage, I do think it's going to be the Aaron Jones show for the most part. So I, I understand the price discrepancy, and, and I tend to agree with you here in terms of, at least I agree with Mike, in terms of maybe this might not be the best, the most fruitful game. I think if you are going to pick apart pieces here, I think it's with the running game. And for the record, I include Debo Samuel in that running game analysis. I mean, he only had a few targets last week. I think he caught all three of them, but he had 10 carries. So I expect him to be maybe a touch more involved. And by the way, speaking of the early edge, a great show. I had I had George Kittle overs last week. So for anybody who tailed that, which Same. Frank is raising his hand, watch <laughs> us on YouTube. Uh, yeah, my bad on that. I you know when Kyle Juszczyk is getting more targets than you in the first half, like you, you got a problem with your bet there. So that that really kind of cements you know, and, and I don't say that for nothing. By the way, it's it's I don't know that I believe in this passing game too much, even if they're even if the game scripts are neutral. I, it's just maybe. I, Elijah Mitchell, I'm still kind of considering. I think that's a good price point. But Debo, I'm considering because I know he'll get it through the air and through the ground. 
But honestly, as far as like Alan Lazard and some of those other sort of tertiary pieces, I'd rather find value like in that Bills, in that Bills Kansas City game. There's plenty of value. We'll talk about it, whether it's Gabriel Davis or Isaiah McKenzie or Byron Pringle, McCole Hardman. Like there's a lot of different pieces, uh, different pieces in games that have better weather conditions and higher point totals. All right, Mike, I keep waiting for Debo Samuel to slow down. It's just not happening. He has 10 touchdowns over his last nine games. See, you mentioned more so used in the running game last week, had 10 carries for 72 rushing yards and a touchdown for Debo Samuel, caught three of three targets for an additional 38 yards. Uh, The problem here is that he's 7,600. He's priced up, rightfully so. He's the third highest wide receiver on the slate. How are you feeling about Debo Samuel? Honestly, not great. Um, I thought I was going to be feeling really good about it, but I'm really worried about Jimmy. If they know that Jimmy's going to really struggle to throw the ball to, um, the volume, while we talk about it being massive volume, it's not massive, massive volume for Debo. Uh, The guy, I mean, I know he's a wide receiver and not a running back, uh, but like in the passing game, which is kind of what you really do need. If you're not getting in the end zone, you need to catch passes, right? That's what you need to score fantasy points on DraftKings, the full point PPR site. Like in the last game, he had three targets in the passing game. That's just not great volume, in my opinion, in, the, in these spots. So I'm just a little worried about it in the price point. Um, usually when I'm playing someone like Debo like this on a smaller slate like it, I really want to be stacking the other side in some capacity. And I just don't think that I'm going to get to stack the Green Bay side as much as I really want to. So as of right now, I think Debo is going to be one that I take the stand on. And I think I'm going to end up pivoting away from it. I know it's it's very possible that it burns me because you're basically giving up one of the most obvious volume plays on the slate in terms of where the football is going to go. But I, I'm very worried about the game script. I'm very worried about this overall game. And I think we have enough reliable targets in other games that I, I think that I can get away with it this week. Because if he doesn't score a touchdown or two, potentially, it's tough to pay off that price tag on the slate. Yeah, especially when he's not getting the receiving volume, right? So I think you're exactly right about that. We're, de- we're depending on outlier touchdown production, which has been the case for Debo. I mean, let's be honest, he's scoring touchdowns at a rapid pace right now, but can he keep it up in a game where, you know, we're kind of worried right now uh, about the game flow for the San Francisco 49ers. See, how do you feel about maybe Debo, the rest of the 49ers options here? Elijah Mitchell is 5,800 and he's getting a ton of work, 21 plus carries in each of his last six games. But again, that game flow, if they fall behind, is he going to see that volume? Brandon Ayuk, I I think is perfectly fine. Actually, you know, if they're playing from behind, I, I like the price point at 5,200. And then we have your boy, George Kittle, who is, uh, he's 5,300. He's, you know, a little bit lower price than we're used to seeing, but just hasn't really been involved in the offense recently. So how do you feel about the rest of these 49ers? Yeah. So here's the thing. You can run on the the Packers. Like they're, they're, they allow a pretty significant uh, yards per carry amount here. So the question for me though is, does that make me more emboldened about Elijah Mitchell or Debo Samuel? Because we've been talking about it. We, we mentioned it with Jamar Chase. When it's playoff time, especially when you're a six-point dog, you are going to make sure you put it in your best player's hands as much as possible. And given that Debo's already lining up in the backfield quite a bit, I, I don't know that Elijah Mitchell is the play for me. And granted, they're going to, if they can, and, if, and if, they're, if it's a neutral game script, they're going to run Elijah Mitchell a lot. But if it's not a neutral game script, then A, they run Debo Samuel a lot, and B, they pass to Debo Samuel a lot. So I think I might just be avoiding Elijah Mitchell. 
And if I want a piece of this game, it is going to be Debo. If I'm making five lineups, for example, while I'm going to fade, I'm probably going to agree with Mike, I'm going to fade him in a majority of those five. I'll probably play Debo in one or two because of that explosive ability and, and the idea that A, you can run on Green Bay, and B, if anybody's really going to be explosive against this defense, it is going to be Debo Samuel. All right, so getting different opinions there. And again, I'll just reiterate, I think Brandon Ayuk is a fine play at his price tag. He's 5,200, uh, 60, he has 66 yards or a touchdown in five of his last six games. The Don sneaky pick in the spot. A.J. Dillon, 5,100. Maybe the Packers playing with a big lead. Second half, we could kind of see A.J. Dillon wearing down that opposing defense. This weekend, we do have an FFT DFS contest. Apologies. We didn't fill last week, so uh, unfortunately, that didn't uh, that didn't roll through. But we will have a contest for the full four-game slate starting on Saturday. This weekend, over on DraftKings, 150 entries, $5 to enter. The top 15 gets paid out. The link is in the podcast and the YouTube description if you'd like to play against Sia, Mike, my dad, and myself. And our friends over at Fantasy Football Today are up for the best social media award in the fantasy football industry. It'll take you just 10 seconds or less to vote for Fantasy Football Today, so help out our friends Dave, Jamie, Adam. They do a great job. The link for that to help them is in the podcast and YouTube description as well. Frank, two things. It actually takes well under 10 seconds. I did it, and I, I'm not joking. It literally took five seconds. Yep. I think you could probably do it in four. Um, and anybody who's listening to this, because this slate starts on Saturday, again, it's a four-game slate. It carries over to Sunday. Just go ahead, while you're listening to this, go ahead and register for our tournament and do that five-second vote because that'll be the easiest way for you to check that box so that we can make sure we fill it. All right, let's hit a quick break. And when we return, we'll move over to Sunday here on Fantasy Football Today DFS. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, so the first game on Sunday is the Rams at the Bucks. The Bucks are three-point favorites with a 48 and a half point total. These two teams met back in week three. The Rams won that game 34 to 24. Matt Stafford went off for four touchdowns. Cooper cut cup caught two of those touchdowns. The weather in the spot, 61 degrees, nine mile per hour winds, no precipitation, which we will gladly take because last week um, it was quite rainy. It was a little bit messy out there overall. Didn't change much from a fantasy perspective, but no rain is a good thing. For the Rams, offensive lineman Andrew Whitworth and safety Taylor Rapp are questionable for Tampa Bay. They were missing seven at their walkthrough practice on Wednesday, including Cyril Grayson, Brashad Perryman, Ronald Jones, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jason Pierre-Paul, and two offensive linemen, Ryan Jensen and Tristan Wirfs. I don't need to tell you this, but I will anyway. This is not the game that you want to be down offensive linemen. So we'll see what happens. I probably feel better about Ryan Jensen's chances of playing in this spot, but 
If they are down Tristan Wirfs against the defensive line of the Los Angeles Rams, this is a pretty scary spot for Tom Brady and potentially the Bucks running backs as well. Uh, not sure many of you saw this coming, but let's start with Cam Akers. Uh, he looks like he is back to being the guy for the Los Angeles Rams. 53% of the snaps on Monday Night Football, 18 touches, 95 total yards. He has six red zone opportunities over their last two games. He is just 5,500 in a tougher matchup here against the Rams. Mike, you mentioned Cam Akers earlier. How do you feel about him at this price tag? Yeah, this one's going to be a super interesting call because he basically kind of came in and almost took the job back. He definitely out-touched uh, Sonny Michelle in that game, and it wasn't like Sonny Michelle was completely ineffective. Um, they just he, they like him, and he almost had a huge play down the sideline uh, in a big catch in this game that didn't actually happen, but if you remember watching that game, so I, I'm very interested in him. The issue here is just the number of running backs in that range. Like, we don't know on Leonard Fournette yet. If Leonard Fournette's going to play, probably still like him at 5,700 just because I think that with the status of the Bucks, the way they're beat up, he's going to run the football, but he's also going to be a legitimate weapon in the passing game for Tom Brady. Um, but w- there's some pretty concerning reports out there that he's still not feeling good uh, when running with the hamstrings. So it's going to have to come down to that and maybe what kind of news we get on Friday out of Kansas city, uh, as far as Clyde Edwards, Laird, Daryl Williams, um, man, there's just so many running backs on the slate, right? Uh, right in this price point. So while we talk about 5,500 being a nice price point for cam Akers, like I said, Fournette's 57 and then Sony, Michelle, his teammate, 53, Clyde Edwards, Laird, 52. There's just many running backs in this area that I really can't commit to, playing cam makers yet in this spot. Like I'll play him in one off spots, but as far as him being a core lineup play, I think it's really difficult to make that decision today. Yeah. And if we're just talking about sub six K running backs, we also have Elijah, Elijah Mitchell, who we talked about and Devin Singletary, who we will get to, but he's 5,900 and his role in one of the best offenses in football has been amazing recently. So yeah, we have a lot of running backs in that sub six K price range this upcoming week. Sia, what are we looking at in terms of Rams stacks? We have Matthew Stafford, who is 6,200. He's the sixth highest priced quarterback on the slate. Feels like we're getting a, a pretty good discount on the price tag there. Cooper Cup is 8,600, the highest priced wide receiver, and rightfully so. He has exactly seven targets in three straight games, which I, I find a little bit underwhelming, actually, right? This isn't. These aren't the double-digit targets we were getting earlier in the season. Maybe some of that has had to do with game flow, you know, the fact that Odell Beckham has been more involved, Tyler Higby as well, but for whatever reason, it, it's been just seven. Seven targets, three games in a row. The aforementioned Odell Beckham is 5,300, and then Tyler Higby is down at 4K. How are we feeling about stacking the Rams against the Bucks? Yeah, so I don't think I'm interested in stacking it, and it's mostly because there's a couple other games I want to stack, and it's obviously going to be the next game we talk about, and perhaps perhaps the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. So yeah, I don't think I'm interested there. Uh, You know, Cooper Cup is interesting. You mentioned the seven targets. You know, when we talked on Monday about the Monday show, listen, I was was wrong about a lot of stuff on Monday show, including Sony Michelle, who, by the way, first play of the game, ran for 35 yards. And you're like, anybody who had Sony Michelle, you're like, here we go. And then it's like, okay, you're out of the game. Cam Akers the rest of the way for the most part. Yeah. I, I, I just, I was just so astounded by that, even though admittedly Cam Akers looked better and looks better than Sony Michelle. So I'm probably out on the running backs like Mike is. As far as the stack, it's pretty much a no thank you there. I don't know if I'm going to get to Cooper Cup because I'm so excited about some other receivers. Although 
again, if I'm making five lineups, does he make it in some of them? Yeah, probably. But I don't think he's going to be in like my main core single entry lineup, for example. However, if I'm looking to save some money, I do think Odell Beckham and Van Jefferson are interesting. And by the way, I think Tyler Higby's interesting too. Frank, you were on this train well before I was, and maybe even Mike, a few weeks back. I mean, he's getting targets. He's getting good targets. And as far as Van Jefferson is concerned, we weren't sure what his target share was going to be. A few weeks ago, it looked like Ben Skoronek was actually kind of jumping him. But Van Jefferson has sort of you know, come back into the fray a little bit. So I think he's an interesting piece to throw in there to maybe get off some wide receiver sort of value in other places that are likely to be more popular, like in this next game, for example. Again, though, I'm not super interested in this side. Maybe a little bit of Cooper Cup, a little bit of the receivers. I'm not stacking it, though. All right, Cooper Cup. I should point out, he had seven targets on Monday night against the Cardinals that accounted for 38% of the target share because there was only 18 total targets in the game. So he still saw a majority of the targets. I think that's a good uh, thing to point out there. Odell Beckham, I I would imagine... I think he's probably going to be lower owned than he should just because he plays on the same team as Cooper Cup, but he's he's been money. Uh, six touchdowns in eight games with the Rams, 10 red zone targets during that span. He's only 5,300. They're finding ways to get Odell Beckham the ball. Uh, and Tyler Higby, yeah, he's only 4K. He's got a 22% target share since returning back in week 16. Mike, how do you feel about the Rams passing attack in this spot? I don't love it. And the reason I don't love it is because they... It's a lot like the Jimmy G situation. If they don't have to throw the football, they don't want to necessarily. Like, the, especially when they've got a healthy backfield like this. Uh, you know, look, obviously it's an upgrade having Stafford over golf and what they've had in the past, but they still don't want him throwing a lot of times. That's why you mentioned you see the the Cooper Cup number. We're shocked at only seven targets. And then we realize, oh, wait, yeah, that was actually 40% of the targets, right? They just, they're not throwing the, they don't have to throw the football in some of these spots as much. And, I think that their defense has a pretty distinct advantage over a beat-up Bucks offensive line right now. Um, I think that they personally slowed the game down just a touch, and I think they're certainly going to try to run the football first. So I'm I'm a little skeptical, uh, much like the Devontae Adams situation, just the price point, while it looks attractive on a normal main slate, it's not quite as attractive on this slate. So I'm going to be off of cup for the most part. Um I'm not going to play Matthew Stafford. So for me, it's going to be sprinkling in one of the running backs or potentially running some sort of double tight end lineup where I use Tyler Higby. Uh, I do like Higby's involvement, um, especially in those situations where they do have to start throwing some more. I, I do think that it's going to be a nice spot for him. But for the most part, it's the, the team is too healthy on the offensive side, and there's just too many mouths to feed for an offense that's not going to try to run a ton of plays in this game. Yeah, you brought up the dual tight end set. And I, I think a way to get different this week and save some money is you could play Tyler Higby and CJ Uzama together. And then uh, that allows you to get up for quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, whatever else you want to do in that lineup. Let's move over to the Buck side of things. And Leonard Fournette's situation is still up in the air. See, we were talking beforehand and we were trying to figure out, all right, well, if Fournette is out, who's going to be higher owned between Gio versus Keyshawn Vaughn? Vaughn, you get $300 worth of savings. He's down at 4700 This whole situation is just up in the air right now. But overall, I, I liked what I saw from both Bucks running backs, Keyshawn Vaughn and Gio Bernard. His first game back for Gio, 18 touches, five receptions, and he scores a touchdown in this spot. So uh, given what's happening with the Bucks' offensive line, Brady, you know, is going to look to get rid of the ball quickly. And I think that means a lot of passes going to his running backs in this game. 
Totally agree. And I also think that he trusts Gio Bernard way more than Keyshawn Vaughn. And by the way, this is this is Gio's first game back. Again, this this assumes if if we don't have Leonard Fournette in this game and I have to choose between Keyshawn Vaughn and Gio Bernard, I'm choosing Gio Bernard. So I actually think that's a pretty savvy play if Leonard Fournette isn't playing. He had so just to give you a percentage on the, on those um, receptions and those targets, he had about 20% of the target share last week. Again, his first game back, he had 49% of the snaps, which, by the way, was tied with Keyshawn Vaughn. So I, given the game plan that you talked about, absolutely. Brady always gets rid of the ball really quickly, but he's going to have to even – he's going to have to scheme even like to get it out even quicker with, with this pass rush that's going to be on him. A lot of geo, a lot of those short area targets. I think Tyler Johnson may get the benefit of that with Brashad Perryman probably having a bigger A dot. And then, of course, Mike Evans is going to enjoy probably somewhere between a 25 and 30% target share regardless. I think Geo is a really kind of crafty play to maybe save some money at the running back position. So – on that side of the ball at the running back position, I'm definitely interested in Geo, but we have to wait to hear what happens with Fournette. Mike, what are you thinking about the Bucks passing attack? We have Tom Brady at 6,800. He's the fourth highest priced quarterback. Mike Evans at 6,800. Rob Gronkowski at 5,800. And we we talk a lot about this condensed target share. That was the case last week. It was, you know, Evans saw 28%. Gronk saw 17%. Gio Bernard saw 19%. Of the targets, whoever the running back is starting in this game, they're going to be involved in the passing attack. But other than them, I think we're going to get a lot of Evans and a lot of Gronk. So, what do you think about those two? Yeah, I'm like the way you worded that because that's really my take on this game. On this this side is whoever's starting at running back, that's who I'm playing. Uh, it's either going to be Leonard Fournette or it's going to be Gio Bernard. One of those two guys will be in my lineup. So I've got Gio Bernard in right now just because I, I do think that he's going to end up seeing the field here. I'm very skeptical as far as what Leonard Fournette uh, is looking like for this week. So I like Gio Bernard, but everyone else in the passing game, like Mike Evans, I don't mind him. Like, I think he's fine. The issue with that for me is like, I kind of like the ceiling on Jamar Chase just a little bit more uh, for 300 more. Um, and Below that, like I, I honestly, I'd rather play Tyreek Hill in this game. I'd rather play stuff on Diggs, uh, just in that game. So, right now, it's whatever running back, and I'm projecting that to be Geo. So he's the only Tampa Bay Buck that I have in my lineups. All right, and- let, let me say something real quick. If Keyshawn Vaughn, if Fournette is out, and they say hey, Keyshawn Vaughn's the starter, I'm probably still playing Geo because I think that's like a starter in name only, and it could be like a Daryl, like not a Daryl Williams situation, but almost like a Sony Michelle situation where. A couple, a couple runs, and then he's out, and Geo plays the majority of the snaps. And I wanted to piggyback off what you said about Mike Evans, Mike, in terms of the upside in this spot. And I could completely be making this up, but I feel like Mike Evans has struggled against top corners in the past. Guy like Marshawn Lattimore comes to mind. I know that they've like battled back and forth, but obviously going up against Jalen Ramsey, I know the Rams play a lot of uh, zone coverage, so you know maybe he doesn't see him all that often, but it's just something that comes to mind. I feel like Evans might struggle against some of the top-tier cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, t- yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I, just, I just want to comment on Yeah, he... I, I do agree with you. Um, some might point to the first matchup with the Rams where he had eight catches, 106 yards, did not land in the end zone. But we have to remember in that matchup, playing alongside Chris Godwin helps a lot. In those kind of matchups, having another receiver like that that the quarterback absolutely trusts and looks to really takes a lot of pressure off. So like you said, I, I am very worried about Evans. Uh, just the combination of the ownership, the price point, the other guys around him, uh, I think I'm going to be avoiding it. Tyler Johnson. See, I know you mentioned the name. If you're looking for some 
real cheap value down there. It is, he's only 3,700. He was on the field for 77% of the snaps last week. And if Cyril Grayson and Brashad Perryman cannot go in this game, the wide receiver three would be who? John Smokey Brown on the Tampa Bay Bucks roster for the minimum price, 3K. So just mention the name. You probably should not play him. But if those guys are out, I, I think I'll probably see the field quite a bit. The Don Sneaky Pick in this game, Keyshawn Vaughn, 4,700. Uh, I have a feeling that I will be receiving a text from the Don that says, oh, that's Sia guy. You know, he's talking bad about my pick. I don't like that. I don't like that. The main event, the last game of the weekend, the heavyweight bout, whatever you want to call it, we've got the Bills at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are two-point favorites with a 54-and-a-half-point total, by far the highest on the slate, and they faced off back in week five. The Bills won that matchup 38-20. to Josh Allen had four total touchdowns in that game. Dawson Knox. Oh, my God. I was about to make a basketball mistake just now. I was going to say Kevin Knox. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm a Knicks fan, and it's... I don't want to talk about it, but yes, they they break my heart almost every single night. Dawson Knox, three catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown in that game. Uh, and he's also coming off a huge one against the New England Patriots as well. Weather in the spot, 39 degrees, six-mile-per-hour winds, no precipitation for the Bills. Defensive end Mario Addison is questionable for the Chiefs. Clyde Edwards-Elaire, Tyreek Hill, and cornerback Lajarius Need were full participants in practice on Wednesday. Cornerback Rashad Fenton and Darrell Williams did not practice. Where should we start? I guess we'll go with the Bills and Josh Allen, who is coming off a massive game. And I mentioned he had a huge game against the Chiefs earlier in the season. See, we'll start with you, Josh Allen. He's 7,600, the highest priced quarterback on the slate. The problem with him, as we've talked about all season, is No, there's no problem with him. No problem. There's you, no problem. With all right, him. so you, go ahead and finish your finish your sentence. All right, so that Here means you you know who to stack him with. I was just going to point out six uh, different Bills had three plus targets last week, so they spread the ball around. They, in terms of snap usage, who was on the field, they they really kind of shuffled it around, and no one played more than I believe it was sixty five percent of the snaps. Maybe that's because they were blowing the Patriots out. I, I guess that's a possibility. But uh, the problem for me, see, is just trying to figure out who to stack Josh Allen with. Well, listen, you misspoke. It's not the problem with him. It's the problem with the GM who keeps recruiting talent in there. And what, why is Emmanuel Sanders on this team, right? You I mean, you have Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, all these targets, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox. Um, anyway, the, the point is, and that's no offense against Emmanuel Sanders. You're right. He has a lot of targets. I, I think, you know, on this slate, do you want to play a quarterback naked? Probably not. But uh, I've played Josh Allen naked before, and it's absolutely worked out for me. Uh, I really like a Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs stack here. Again, we're going with the narrative, or at least I'm going with the narrative that at the end of the day, you're looking for your best players. And I absolutely think, while he will spread it around, I definitely think Stefan Diggs will see way more targets than he did in that blowout last week. So Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs, I like quite a bit. This is definitely my favorite stack. Um, I w- absolutely would agree with anybody who said, hey, I, I want to save some money and maybe stack Josh Allen with Dawson Knox and maybe like a Isaiah McKenzie or something who I think could be a little sneaky. But for me, a double stack with Josh Allen, like with Stefan Diggs and somebody else, maybe Devin Singletary, maybe uh, another receiver, uh, maybe Dawson Knox. I think that's all in play. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly where I'm looking, Sia. The, I'm creating a lineup now, and you put in Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, and Dawson Knox as a starting point. I, I like going with that uh, quite a bit. Obviously, Knox had that Big game against the Patriots last week, and uh, he performed well in the early me- earlier meeting this season against the 
the Chiefs. The Chiefs have struggled against tight ends, against good tight ends at times this year. So, Mike, when it comes to the Bills side of things, uh, who are you looking at against this Chiefs defense? Uh, definitely first, Stefan Diggs. Uh, just the, the talk, we talked about the value on the slate. He's one of the better values on the slate at 6,500. Uh, he's going to get force fed targets, in my opinion, in this game. So I, I like him a lot. Um, as far as outside of that, I'll have some one offs of Knox or some game stacks with Devin Knox or Dawson Knox. You got me, <laughs> Kevin Knox. Now I'm calling him <laughs> Devin. Uh, Dawson Knox, I will be playing him in some one offs or in some game stacks where I'll have Travis Kelsey. Also with the double tight end uh, Singletary, it's too early to me to commit to the running backs just because I need to know what's going to happen with Tampa Bay and Kansas City before I know if I'm going to end up playing Singletary. So I, I can tell you Diggs will be there, though. Diggs is a, a core lineup piece. One of the first few. In lineups. What's up, Chief? How we do it, Chief? <laughs> Chief's a big fan of Diggs as well. Yeah, Chief's a big say. fan. Likes, Actually, likes the Stefan t- Diggs play this week. The truth is. Chief is a Chiefs fan, and any Bills talk from Mike is not cool in that household. So I think that's what's going on. All right. Yeah, that that definitely makes more sense. And we don't usually just give out lineups often here on the show, but I'm just kind of messing around and put in Josh Allen, Singletary, Stefan Diggs, and Dawson Knox. So a lot of Bills in this lineup. Also have Tyreek Hill, Gio Bernard, Jamar Chase, CJ Uzama in the flex, so dual tight ends, and then the Rams defense. So Wow, that lineup is amazing. That's fun, right? There's a lot of fun there, a lot of upside. So from a GPP perspective, uh, maybe something you could look at doing this upcoming week. Uh, Devin Singletary, we spoke about you know a little bit here, and I think he's my favorite running back on the slate, Sia. And yeah, I, look, if you said this is what I would be uh, saying about Devin Singletary in the divisional round of the playoffs with all of these running backs on the slate, I, I would have said you're crazy if you told me this, you know, two months ago. But his role has been outstanding. He is averaging 20.8 touches per game over his last five. He has five-plus red zone opportunities in each of those games. He's playing 80% of the uh, the snaps during that stretch. See, he's my favorite running back on the slate. Yeah, 80% of snaps during that stretch, 86% just last week. So, I mean, this is, you know, we always, most teams have a couple of running backs. And this team in particular, not only did we think they had a couple of running backs, actually three at a certain time this year, we kind of thought Singletary was the worst of the three. I don't mean we necessarily. We didn't actually discuss, we didn't rank Matt Breida, Zach Moss, and Devin Singletary. But there's there's plenty of people, including myself, that didn't think Devin Singletary was the best running back of this three-headed monster. Now it's extremely clear that Devin Singletary will be on the field pretty much nine out of ten plays. He's getting 64% of the rush attempts. He's getting targets. Not a ton of targets, but he's getting targets nonetheless. Of course, he's not going to get a ton of targets. They have so many wide receiver twos and threes that they're throwing to. But no, I agree with you at the price point and in this game and with this game script, um, Singletary is very versatile. He he he's going to get the ball. Now, the, the I think the counter to him is that in this type of game, what's his red zone opportunity? Is it Josh Allen keeping it more often than not, or or feeding Dawson Knox? Kevin Knox, uh, Stefan Diggs, and some of these other guys, or are they, you know, leaning on Singletary in this type of game? Maybe it's more a little bit more Josh Allen in his hands, but it still doesn't make Singletary a bad value, regardless. All right, let's hop over to the Chiefs running backs, Mike. And you know, we've 
we've hit on the Chiefs running backs throughout the course of the season where, you know, Clyde was too cheap or Darrell Williams when he had a great role in this offense as well. Things are kind of up in the air. I don't, it's not looking too good for Darrell Williams right now. Even if he's active, I don't know that he'll be given much of a role because Jarek McKinnon's coming off that great game and it seems like Clyde Edwards Elair is healthy as well. So what do you think about the Chiefs running backs against the Buffalo Bills? I mean, at some point we have to talk about maybe it's just the system that makes the running back decent for this team. Uh, we saw it a year ago with Damian Williams, then Daryl Williams, Clyde Edwards, Elaire, Jarek McKinnon comes in there. looks awesome. Uh, playing with Patrick Mahomes must be a really fun thing if you're a player in the NFL, right? So um, simple answer here, right? It, it's just like the Bucks. Whoever's playing is who I'm playing. And I'm going to leave a spot open for late swap and – it's going to be one of these guys. And worst case scenario, I'll play Devin Singletary at 5,900. If I have to leave enough on the table to make this work, I'm comfortable doing it on a short slate. Like I'm comfortable leaving $800 on the on the floor on this slate. Uh, I don't think there's any problem with that uh, just because there are so few options, especially when it comes to this game. So I recommend leaving at least one, if not two spots open, whether it's two running back spots or a running back and a flex spot open, just because I think that depending on what kind of news we get, like even if we definitively know that it's a Jarek game again, 4,800, his involvement there and knowing that they're not going to have the other backs to really run between the tackles like they like to at times. I think you got to start looking at playing Jarek McKinnon and his role in the passing game. So I like him a lot. Mike, I'm coming right back to you. First question, who would you rather stack between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes if you had to choose between the two? And if we're stacking Patrick Mahomes, which I assume I assume we're doing, how are we looking to do that? Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Byron Pringle coming off a two-touchdown game. What's your favorite way to attack it? Yeah, so I'm playing... I like both, right? Um, I really like Kansas City. I know that we'll point to the Buffalo defense. I am skeptical of the Buffalo defense in this spot. This will be a real true test without Tredavious White. They've only had one good test without him, and that was against the Buccaneers. They give up 33 points in that game. I think the Kansas City offense is better than the Buccaneers offense uh, in terms of having weapons, having to defend them. Now they get to play at home. You look at the offenses that they've played. They played Mac Jones twice. One of those games, they threw three passes. They played the Jets, the Falcons. Like they haven't played anyone since he went down. They had down the stretch. Buffalo has had very easy opponents in terms of defending the passing game. I like Kansas City here at home a ton. So I prefer Mahomes to Josh Allen personally, and it'll be full-on Kansas City onslaughts. It'll be Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Byron Pringle, and the running back. Uh, so I'll have them all in there. Stefan Diggs on the bring back. Um, I mean, I'll have lineups with six to seven pieces from this game in my lineup just because they're so affordable. All right, same question over to you, C. I I assume you're going to like a lot of the same players. Is there anyone else maybe that we haven't mentioned that you also like for the Chiefs? Yeah, the running game is definitely a little muddled. I, I agree with the whole late swap comment. I think that's a really good idea just in general on, on this four-game sort of overlapping day-to-day slate. I don't know if I'm actually going to play one of those Kansas City running backs. As far as the receivers, I'm not so sure about Tyreek Hill. I, I'm still, I still kind of question his health. He certainly didn't have a ton of targets last week. I think Travis Kelsey is a good play if, if you could fit that into your tight end slot. And, of course, Byron Pringle at 4,200. I, I just yeah. – I think Byron Pringle is very clearly, and we've talked about this, the second best receiver on the Kansas City Chiefs. Not only is he getting targets, I mean, he doesn't get a ton of targets still. And we saw even Demarcus Robinson was getting targets. In fact, by the way, Demarcus Robinson got more targets 
than Odell Beckham this this week, which I know there was only 18 pass attempts or maybe 17 for Matt Stafford. But Robinson was an impactful player in that game. I only mention that because the Kansas City Chiefs spread the ball around a little bit too. But I think Byron Pringle clearly not only gets some targets, but he gets like third down targets. He gets red zone targets. And I think in this offense with this implied point total, if you're picking a, a low-end receiver on this entire slate – I think Byron Pringle might be the best guy in terms of that like really low 4K type range. All right. Again, we never do this, but I, I think I created another fun lineup, so I just want to reveal it. Patrick Mahomes, Devin Singletary, Gio Bernard, Tyreek Hill, Byron Pringle, Stefan Diggs, Travis Kelsey, Dawson Knox, Rams defense. I mean, it's it's everyone. It's everyone that you want from this game that I could possibly imagine. Uh, and then a Gio Bernard kind of sprinkled in there and and Rams defense, which is not correlated, but whatever. I guess play whatever defense you want. But uh, yeah, that's, I think, a pretty fun way to attack the slate, getting as much exposure to the biggest total as you possibly can. Anything else that we need to say about this game? Other than nothing, then I think it's going to be a popular build because I have a nearly identical lineup where I my only difference is instead of Knox in your defense, I have Jarek McKinnon in the Packers D. Uh, I think that... What you what we just laid out is actually going to be pretty popular in tournaments, just because we both landed on it in, you know, literally just clicking in thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it could be a very very popular build. So maybe pivoting in one spot could be a super super interesting play here. Whether yeah, it's good, um, I was just going to say whether it's one of those Bills receivers instead of Knox over Byron Pringle or someone take Tyreek Hill out and play someone else uh, like a second Bills receiver, I think could be a very interesting play here. Yeah, I was going to say, as far as like puntish type plays, I think Isaiah McKenzie is really interesting. It looks like he might have jumped Cole Beasley. He got some sort of, you know, gimmicky rushing attempts too. So if you wanted to throw him in there as a part of a stack and you hope to get lucky with maybe a touchdown or two, that could work. But also with the lineup you just presented and the, and the one, Mike, um, that, that's similar to yours, taking one of those guys out and maybe putting Jamar Chase in, or if you want to really get different by really loading up on that game, that game, but on day one, you take Jamar Chase and AJ Brown and just hope they both back and forth with each other. And then you go with the rest of your, your stack with that, that high end bills chiefs game. I think that would be interesting too. I know I'm going to be playing a good amount of Jamar Chase. The Don sneaky pick in this game is Gabriel Davis, 4,600. So if you want a cheap bills pass catcher in the spot, that is who the Don recommends. Let's wrap up with our divisional round cheat sheet for this upcoming weekend. Our favorite value chalk contrarian plays plus our favorite stack and see you. We will start with you. Yeah, so let's start with value. We just talked about him, so I, I don't need to really explain much here. It's, it's Byron Pringle at 4,200. I think it's a nice piece from this game. There's a lot of nice pieces from this game, so they're not all going to be good, but if I had to put money on one to be good, which I will be doing in DFS, it's probably going to be Byron Pringle. Uh, my chalk play, and I'm assuming he's going to be chalk, but honestly, given what we just talked about, maybe he won't be. Uh, Jamar Chase at 7,100. Uh, I just think... If you're going to pull something from that game, knowing the circumstances that Cincinnati likely is going to have to throw a little bit, the pace of that game might be slow, so maybe Jamar Chase won't be chalky. We'll have to wait and see, but that's my play at 7,100. I certainly think people will be interested in him coming off the game that he came off of. My contrarian play is going to be Gio Bernard. Frankly, I I think if Fournette plays, clearly Gio is going to be contrarian. I still might play him a little bit. Probably not. The point is, if Fournette isn't active, I still think Geo doesn't carry a ton of ownership. So that's my contrarian play. My stack, we talked about it. Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. All right, Mike, you are up. Value, chalk, contrarian, and stack. 
Value play is going to be Jarek McKinnon until we have other news. Uh, I'm expecting him to have that role again. If for some miraculous reason, Daryl Williams comes back and is active, then it's going to be Daryl Williams. Uh, Chalk play for me is going to be Tyreek Hill. I think he's going to be popular. I actually like him a lot in this spot. Uh, I think he actually looked pretty good in that last game. My contrarian play, I like Aaron Jones a lot in tournaments. Uh, I just think we could see a heavy dose of Aaron Jones. I think we could see some very short fields for the Green Bay Packers. I don't think anyone's going to play him where he's sandwiched in between Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry having to wait out that outcome. I, I just don't see it happening with all the value. So give me Aaron Jones as a contrarian play. And then the stack, it's Mahomes to Kelsey. Uh, I also think Travis Kelsey looked really good in that last game. I love the way that they use him in the red zone as well. I uh, just really, really elevates his floor as they get creative using him in the red zone. So let's go Mahomes to Kelsey. All right. Travis Kelsey has five touchdowns over his last four games. So you're right. They're finding ways to get him involved in the red zone for the Kansas City Chiefs. And for me, the value play is CJ Uzama. If you need a cheap tight end this weekend, 3,400. If you want to play dual tight ends, if you want to play Kelsey and Uzama together, I think that allows you to maybe spend up in other spots. If you want to play Knox and Uzama together, I think that's something you can look at as well. Chalk play, Devin Singletary, 5,900. I mentioned he is my favorite running back on the slate. When you consider everything, the price point, his usage, the total in that game, the implied team total for the Buffalo Bills, I, I just think there's a lot to like with Devin Singletary. Contrarian play, Odell Beckham. He is 5,300, and I think if people are looking at a wide receiver in that game, it's likely Cooper Cup. And rightfully so. He's amazing. But Odell Beckham scoring a ton of touchdowns for the Rams. And they are also finding ways to get him involved in the red zone. And the stack for me, Josh Allen to Dawson Knox. Not Kevin Knox. Josh Allen to Dawson Knox, who is coming off a monster game and performed well against the Kansas City Chiefs earlier this season. I think regardless, you're going to want some exposure to this game. So whether you're stacking Mahomes, you're stacking Josh Allen, uh, there's plenty of options to choose from, whether it's wide receiver or tight end. We're going to wrap there. For Sia and Mike, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football today. DFS will be back again next Thursday to preview the conference championship. We will see you then.